This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for How She Does It. On this show, we talk about all things women, money, and power. I'm Karen Feinerman. I have two sets of twins, each a boy and a girl, and I can tell you I was absolutely thoroughly exhausted for the first 12 years of being a working parent. My guilty secret is after each weekend where we had four kids 24-7, I couldn't wait for Monday morning so I could head into my office, sit down at my desk, and have an uninterrupted cup of coffee. And I would practically spin around in my chair at the joy of only having to worry about myself and my job. But millions of women don't have the luxury of going into the office and having childcare at home. In October, pandemic relief funding for childcare ended, leaving many women struggling to pay for their child's care while they were at work. And a new study from Columbia found women earn half as much after having kids, commonly known as the motherhood penalty. It seems the deck is stacked against mothers in every way possible. Perhaps unsurprisingly, given all this, Alison Robinson found herself, like many women, questioning whether or not it was even possible to have a family and a career. So she decided to do something about it. After having her son, she realized just how challenging it was to juggle the demands of motherhood with a full-time career and left her beloved role at Procter & Gamble. She went on to found The Mom Project in 2015. It's the leading digital marketplace for moms offering hiring, education, and retention solutions. The Mom Project's goal is to create $1 billion in economic opportunity for moms. Allison, thank you so much for being with us here today. Karen, it's so great to be here. Thank you for for having me on. I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. Tell us the backstory, though. What were you thinking when you started your career about how you would do it all, have kids, and then how did the epiphany of the mom project come? Yeah, I think how I would figure out how career and family would work someday was all on my mind since when I started working. Prior to founding the Mom Project, Karen, I spent about eight years at PNG, and in my most recent role there, I had a really amazing opportunity to work on our Pampers brand. And so, you know, a big part of my day felt like these moms and seeing how hard they work, their resilience, and how deeply they wanted to build a better future for their family often meant that they were these unsung heroes that didn't get a lot of praise. And that left such an impression on me, and I would always reflect on my own mom, who left a career that she loved 
after having my brother and sister. And so I didn't know what my story would hold. I didn't have a lot of examples of family members, women in my family who both worked and had a career. And I kind of found myself in an interesting situation. I was on an unpaid maternity leave. Is that your first child or where where are we in your child? Yeah. So I'm working on the Pampers brand. The irony of that I'm sure is not lost on you. Not lost on me in the least. And yeah, so I was trying to figure out where do I go from here? I cared so much about continuing to build my career every moment up until having a child. That was my focus. But I also had a strong desire to be a present force in my child's life. And it was during that period of reflection that I read that over 40% of American women leave the workforce after having children. That's a very big number, more than I would have thought, actually. And it's not even the fact that they leave, but seeing the difficulty that they experienced coming back after that, I really felt called to try to solve this problem. And I reflected on those incredibly talented women that I met with, and I knew that there had to be a better way, both for myself and the millions of women you know, in the country like me. And so I wanted to build the mom project with really the singular vision to make it easier for women to build both careers and families and for those two to coexist. Okay, so it sort of seems a little bit though like out of the frying pan of a big corporate job at Procter & Gamble and into the fire of startups and VC fundraising and all of that. How did the sort of seed of it begin? How did you how did you raise money at the beginning? How did you make this idea into an actual company? There was a little bit of ignorance there, Karen, in terms of what I was jumping into. I didn't come from Tech or venture, and I was really just solving this problem that I believe needed to be solved. And kind of what that meant was taking probably a, a much harder path than maybe I envisioned from day one. But I saw early on, we had thousands of women coming to the platform saying thank you, like whether I'm trying to get back to work and it's been so defeating, or new moms who are you know, felt so conflicted and trying to nurse at work and just feeling so unsuccessful, both as mothers and as professionals. It really felt so much bigger than me and a problem that I really wanted to try my best to be able to solve. And so, yeah, that ultimately meant raising venture funding and taking on a pretty demanding role amidst raising my, my three young children. So, okay, you have a chicken and egg problem. How do you solve that? Up, You have a lot of women who are interested in what you're doing and think, all right, well, maybe there is an opportunity where I can find a role that fits. How did you get the sort of the offer side, the companies to come and be on your platform and look for the right talent? Yeah. So I'd actually started my career in sales, Karen. So I found that selling products at P&G had taught me a lot about kind of big companies, how they buy. And so I just, you know, I took a very a mindset of curiosity and to speak to so many potential customers to say, I've got a gold mine of incredibly talented women. How do we get them to work at your company so they can start having impact for you in your bottom line? And that kind of led me, those conversations really led me to where there was real market opportunity. And so within the first couple of years, we had a pretty scalable go-to-market strategy selling to both Fortune 500 organizations who were doing, you know, high volume hiring 
and looking at the mom project as a great way to build pipeline of diverse, incredibly talented women who could hit the ground running, as well as small businesses who maybe needed their first time part-time controller or someone to run their social media or their bookkeeping. And so kind of that just constant curiosity of what the market needed, how we could take our community of incredibly talented moms match those two sides is really where the magic happens. So it's interesting. I was just looking at your site and I saw the category maternity ships. And I had I didn't know the word before that, but it was very obvious to me what it meant. And I know as an employer for me, maternity leave was problematic, you know, not a huge organization. And so, I mean, that the immediate need that it, it so makes sense. So is that one of your, I guess, most popular job fulfillments? Yeah, it's a great way for us to kind of start working with a company. It's such a need. We've seen, while as a country, we we don't have federal paid leave, of course, we've seen the private sector really step in and so many companies offering really great leave policies. And then what we see kind of a couple years into an investment in something that looks like a 12 or 26 week paid leave policy is that that leaves real kind of staffing coverage gaps in the organization. And it's not a sustainable strategy just to ask the rest of the teammates to pick up the slack. And that builds discontent. And it's also not good for that mom or dad leaving either, knowing that they're leaving their colleagues in a pinch. So this is one of our signature offerings that really provides that pipeline of talent, people who can get to know the business, step in as that mom and dad is going out on leave, and then cover for that period and allow that mom or dad to transition back with peace of mind. And we love this. One of our favorite customers is Etsy, who offers a 26-week paid leave policy for both moms and dads. And we know it just has such an incredible impact on retention, employee sentiment, and just a really win-win for both the business and the families. So, I mean, once you hear the idea, it's so clear, but Going back to your sort of early venture days, did this did this idea resonate right away and were you able to raise money right away or did you have this sort of, you know, commonly told story of the woman VC who can't raise money despite having a great idea, great resume, all of that? It was really hard, Karen. I it took me quite a while. You kind of use personal savings to be able to get the business to a point where Finally, investors would take us serious. Many really just questioned how big of a market could this be? And I would just laugh. I mean, you know, the buying power of this demographic, there's 2.2 billion moms. And so I just had to be patient. I do think as a woman raising venture, the saying that you've got to be at the next stage further along held to be very true. And so the way that I was able to combat that was just through revenue and, and customer traction. So... I would imagine those early days, was that then a new 24-7 job that I would imagine was incredibly stressful, rewarding? But I don't know, Allison, what were those days like? One of my like really vivid memories is having my second son uh, via C-section on Monday and being back to work on Friday. Like when you're in the founder and you're you're just trying to make the business work, there's nothing you won't do. Taking every last call with, you know, a frustrated user, a prospective customer. But I think that's how great things are built because you just care so much about the mission that you've set out to do. And so then what was the evolution? So you did you start off with Etsy? I know you also have Meta and Airbnb, and those are huge organizations. 
Yeah, we're so fortunate, Karen. We work with thousands of customers. In the last three years, we've connected our our community of over 1.5 million moms, dads, and allies with over 800 million in economic opportunity. And so the way that we measure that is both through the wages of jobs that we've connected our community with on the platform, as well as we also have a- Tell us about that. That's RISE, right? That's RISE, yeah. And, and sort of the catalyst for that was seen- In the early days of the pandemic, there was so much job loss in sectors such as retail, hospitality, and women of color being really most disproportionately impacted by that. And so we wanted to use our platform to mobilize and create pathways for those women who had a lot to offer to be able to enter high-earning fields like sales and technology. And so through RISE, we're upskilling these women, giving them technology certifications that are having real meaningful impact on their earning potential to really uplift them and their family and helping them land at big technology companies. So that's been a really great addition to the Mom Project portfolio. And more recently, we launched Shelf Made, which is we've seen women are actually driving the growth of small business creation in the U.S., especially as many companies return to office and women are saying, I won't do that commute anymore. I'm not going back to the way that it was before. I love being closer to my family and building my schedule around where I need to be. And so our newest product is really aimed at helping her set up and grow her own business on her own terms. So Yeah, we've always got an eye towards what is the need of the market? How do we help our mom sort of combat that motherhood penalty that you spoke about and just really reach their economic potential? I want to hear more about your development. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. 
Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Allison Robinson of The Mom Project. So you have been very open about your own struggles with mental health and burnout, and that is a subject that's so intricately intertwined with women at work while they're trying to have kids. Tell us about your struggle and how you dealt with it and what we as a society can do about it. If you have any ideas on that, which is a huge subject, I know. Thank you so much for the question, Karen. It's a topic that I've become so personally passionate about sharing my story to hopefully help others feel comfortable expressing, you know, the challenges that they're having. I was really forced to kind of reckon with my own mental health challenges shortly after having my daughter. Caroline. It was in November of 2021. And as my return to work became imminent, I felt just like a deep, deep sort of sadness. And I'll never forget preparing to go back to work and just crying in the dressing room before I had to get on a flight from Miami to San Francisco. Thanks to people really close to me, I got some professional help and realized many years, I think of stress, losing my father, having a child, building a business through a pandemic had just really worn away at me. And I had not prioritized my physical or mental health. And so that was a wake up call. I needed to take a break and and take a pause to focus on restoring myself. So thankfully, with the support of our board of directors, I took about eight weeks that summer off just to really get the care and, and recovery that I needed. And it's a journey, but I found so many ways to combat the stress. As I spoke about recently in Forbes, really learning and thinking of it as a cycle. I think often I sort of repressed the stress and that's what it had built up on process to leave lasting effects of burnout. So I've tried to really see the signs, see the triggers. So what were they? What were the signs that you would now know to look for that you missed the first time around? You know, I can feel it, like my pangs of anxiety. And it would often be triggered by, you know, as a founder, it's really hard to compartmentalize your business from your personal life. And so maybe it's seeing an email at 10 p.m. when I shouldn't have been reading my email that just kind of sent this wave. And, you know, I remember some evenings it would be so bad my legs would tremble. And now I can more clearly see the signs. I go for a walk. I collect myself. But it's certainly been a journey, and I think I think a lot about the longer-term impacts of the pandemic and the mental health crisis that at large. And yeah, it is a problem that I hope to bring more awareness to. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, from your position and your success, you'll you'll be able to because I know it'll be a message that will resonate with so many. I would imagine that one part of it would be this idea of being able to compartmentalize, to say, I'm not going to read emails after 10 o'clock. The day ends here, whatever it was, whatever. What was the structure that you found that helped you get your bearing? Setting those limits is key. Another thing that I found to be hugely effective was going off social media. It just created insecurities for me. And once I went off social media, I found I was a much more present leader, a more present parent, without sort of the noise and distraction of everything else that was competing for my attention. Mm -hmm. So let me get to the motherhood penalty that I talked about at the top of the show. So this is a very real economic impact 
on mothers, yet you're creating this solution. I know that many people like to hire mothers because they feel like, all right, these are women who are incredibly productive, who don't waste time, who get things done, and who don't get caught up in the drama of whatever the the workplace du jour drama might be. And so there's a real use and a need. But what do you say to younger women, maybe with younger children who are debating for the first time, do I leave the workforce and stay home with my kids or not? Well, I just want to kind of build on the comment you made around the motherhood penalty, and that is absolutely true. The gender pay gap is actually quite narrow, and it's not until motherhood that that gap really widens. Fathers actually see a pay boost when men become fathers, but but certainly mothers seen the the opposite impact. My advice to that young professional or in some capacity, it's great to stay professionally engaged in the workforce. Even if it's five, 10 hours a week, having that, that experience, keeping one foot in, so to speak, whether that be in your own business, consulting, something part-time, freelancing, it will just make the transition when you decide if and when you decide to go back full time much easier because we see, unfortunately, the longer that women step out of the workforce, typically the harder it is to return. Though that is changing and we're fortunate to work with many great companies that specifically want to hire professionals who've stepped out of the workforce for caregiving reasons for a long period of time. Unfortunately, it's not always common. That's why at the Mom Project, we really want to meet women where they are. The motherhood penalty becomes more penalizing the longer you've been out of the workforce. That would be my advice. Certainly not insurmountable to get back into the workforce successfully after a period. There are more companies really looking to attract specifically people who have been out of the workforce for a period of time, but it's still challenging. So do you also see dads in this situation? It's called the mom project, but are there dads who are in similar situations as the mothers and stepped out for choice or necessity or whatever it may be and want to get back in? Absolutely. And I think that just continues to be a growing trend. And we have many dads on our platform who have decided maybe they have a partner who has an incredible career and they've prioritized doing the caregiving. And so I love that. I mean, we know that men are so critical to this mission and I believe that equality starts at home. I totally agree with that. Equality starts at home. And sometimes I know it's hard as a mother to kind of what I call give up that number one parent position. You feel guilty, you want to do it. I mean, there's a lot wrapped up in it. So if you have a partner who wants to step in and take that role, Sometimes it's hard to relinquish. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. I'm really lucky to have a partner where we have that. And we've been able to prioritize my career. And it's an incredible thing. And I hope that culturally that continues to be a growing trend. Right. I do think, yeah, there's a bias for sure when you think about a dad leaving the workforce versus a mom leaving the workforce and then wanting to come back. I almost feel like it's unfair, but I feel like men seem to have more explaining to do mm. than women, right? Society accepts, oh, you want to be with the children. For men, it's unfair, but I feel like that. Are you seeing any shift in that bias? Yeah, I think in general, even just when 
since when I started the business, like talking about a career past for caregiving used to be something that people didn't want to talk about. But like it is fundamentally changed to being something that is much more embraced, whether it's a mom or a dad with that gap, which has just been really amazing to see. Mm -hmm. Would you ever consider changing the name or no? You know, we really built it from day one to be an equal opportunity platform. So about 20% of our users actually identify as male or non-binary. So I love that um, so many people have a connection with the um, project. Maybe they were raised by a single mother. So many dads really just rallying behind what we do. They, I call them dadvocates. <laughs> it's funny. I, I see that we've got kind of a cult following and particularly men maybe living in the U.S., having spent time in abroad, and they kind of have this interesting perspective in how hard it is to be a working parent in the U.S. compared to other countries. We love having men like them in our corner. Mm -hmm. All right, so let me just step back and talk to you about what you built and what you plan to do with it. I know you've raised over $100 million of VC funding, and I know you have this goal of a billion dollars of income, I guess. Is that the way you phrase it? Yeah, impact. But yeah, impact. you're, you're okay. So you're not far from that, actually, right now, if you're at 800. Yeah, we're running the corner. Yeah. So are you thinking about changing the scale of what you hope to accomplish? How would you say that's changed in the last year or two? I think my vision for the company just gets bigger. Seeing that we're close to getting to the 1 billion, I think certainly global Expansion is something that's top of mind. There's 2.2 billion moms across the world and new products that we believe that can serve them well. Ultimately, my vision is for every mom as she's contemplating this challenge of working motherhood, the mom project can be a resource for her, whether it's a new job, upskilling, mentorship, or entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, do you ever miss that corporate life? I borrow like a lot of sort of my leadership learnings from P&G really invest so much in their people and the training there was world class. I'm so grateful for it. But I love having fast impact. I have such a bias for action and not, you know, the scale that you can do that at a company like Procter & Gamble is obviously second to none, but the speed is not there. And so I think I've learned my love is really kind of in the earlier stage building. Uh-huh. So that's great. If you can take what you can, the best of what a P&G or a company at the top of the game like that can do, and then make it your own. I mean, are you surprised at how far you've gotten with this? Thank you, Karen. I just feel like we've gotten so much support, obviously, financially from our investors, our customers, our employees. I think when you are trying to do something with a lot of purpose, it's really incredible to see how things can kind of line up. And so with that comes a tremendous amount of responsibility. But I just have an enormous amount of gratitude for the people who have like enabled this because we say when we win, moms win. And so, yeah, I'm just excited for what comes next. It's been, you know, a challenging operating environment for us over the last 18 months with a lot of companies just slowing down their hiring. And so, you know, it's it's been a bit hard to predict what the hiring landscape will look like, but I know that the best is really yet to come. And, and so I'm very just optimistic and excited. Uh, as you should be. It's really quite amazing what you've built so far, and I'm excited to see where you take it. All right, we're going to have to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with the lightning round. 
From the latest in artificial intelligence to new apps and business upgrades, the tech industry is always changing and growing. So keep up with a Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes released nearly every day, the Daily Crunch gives you a brief overview of the biggest tech headlines, and it's all delivered in around five minutes or less. So you can easily hear about the latest updates while trying some of those updates for yourself. Listen to The Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's The Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. We're back, Allison, with the lightning round. Okay, so this is just would you rather. The only challenge is you just have to answer whatever pops into your head first. Okay, Kentucky or Ohio? Kentucky. Because you were born there? Yep. Okay. Deep dish pizza or New York slice? New York slice. Okay, even though we're based in Chicago. My stomach doesn't tolerate it well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just note to Chicago. Okay, would you rather work from home with your kids? Or in an office? Work from home. Okay. New Year's resolutions or goals for the year? Growth and learning. Growth and learning. Excellent. Okay. Would you rather have one hour more of sleep per night or anything else in the world? One hour of sleep. That is my key. Yeah. All right. Are you the last one to bed or the first one up? Last one. Late riser. Mm, When I can. (laughs) It's a rarity these days. Would you rather give a speech to 10,000 people or stand up and sing in a small restaurant? Stand up and sing in a small restaurant. Are you a good singer? No, but I just really don't like public speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, good answer. Would you rather take your kids to a park or a new museum? Museum. Would you rather run or bike? Bike. Okay. Would you rather laugh uncontrollably or be moved? Laugh. Me too. Okay. Fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Okay. What are you reading right now? A lot of behavioral science, psychology. Love that. Okay. Last question. What is the best investment you've ever made and what's the worst investment? And investment is a very broad term, could be anything. I will say the best investment I have made is in childcare because our wonderful childcare support system was absolutely key to us being able to build this business. Before you go on, I just have to say, you are the first woman who has answered that. And yet it's amazing to me because you have to, you have to have it. Interesting. And the worst. Worst investment. Yeah. So I decided to get into the market a little bit, top of 2022 in the stock market and growth tech and all. I won't, 
say anymore. <laughs> all right. Although it's come back a very long way. So, all right. That's not so bad. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited for what's next for you and kind of amazed. And it, it must feel so great to have created something that's can be so useful for not just women, but dads and companies. And what an amazing platform. Good for you. It's really been so wonderful to be on with you today. Really appreciate all the support. Thank you so much for joining me today on How She Does It. Thank you so much to Allison Robinson for pushing back against the motherhood penalty by connecting moms with jobs. When you have a moment, please follow us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to updates from the Her Money community at hermoney.com slash subscribe. Our producers are Catherine Tuggle and Haley Pascalides with help from everyone at Her Money. This podcast is mixed and mastered out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is from Video Helper and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Have a great week and I look forward to seeing you here with us again. Onward.